Hello, Jibe Pengan. Peace be to you, dear brothers and sisters. Nan Kidok Shushong, Kong Ye Shong De, Jig Wida Shong De, Kim Kiwun, Jig Hele Shisha. Let's continue in our series, God's Righteousness, a Great God, Amazing Salvation. Kenela Shushong, Lomasu De Saju. And our scripture uh, for today can be found in Romans chapter 3. And my topic for today is justification by faith. In the first chapter of the book of Romans, Paul let us know, uh, know that the Gentiles were sinners. The Gentiles knew there is a God, yet they rejected God. Suppress, they suppress the truth. The, truth. the second chapter said the Jews are also sinners. Why? Because they knew they knew the tr- uh, the truth, and uh, yet they, uh, they they don't live, they don't live out the truth. They refuse to submit themselves to the truth. So, the Gentiles suppress the truth while the Jews sin deliberately. So, Jews and Gentiles are sinners. In fact, chapter 3, the first eight verses continue to talk about the sinfulness of the Jewish people. But Paul was very intelligent. She, he came at this topic from a viewpoint as a Jewish person and from the viewpoint of a Jewish person. That's why the book of uh, Romans chapter 3 can be divided into three parts. The first eight verses. Paul presents his argument as a Jew in uh, chapter verses 9 to 20. Paul asserts that all men are sinners. And from verses 21 to 31, he talks about that uh, presents a principle of justification by faith. Let's look at the first part. Paul presents his argument as a Jew. In chapter 2, Paul was saying to the Jews that not only are the Gentiles sinners, but we as Jewish people are also sinners. And he knew that this was unacceptable for the Jewish people. Especially the rabbis, the teachers of the law of Jewish people. Especially the Pharisees. Remember that Paul himself was a practicing Pharisee. He was uh, one who so he was an observant Pharisee. So and he knew that the Jewish people, once they hear this, they will really oppose this. So That's why he first presented this as a Jewish person. So he asked himself this question and he answered it himself. Three questions that are that are important that were raised here in this eight verses. The first advantage in there being a Jew? Look at chapter three, verse one. What advantage then is there in being a Jew, or what value is there in circumcision? 
The Jewish people look at themselves as God's chosen people. And because they are they were physically circumcised. And that's a mark of their covenant with the with the Lord. That's why they are different. They have been set apart from the world. And that's something they, they took pride in. But now Paul is saying to them that both Jews and Gentiles are both sinners. And he knew that this was met with great opposition by the Jewish people. The first question then, what then is our advantage in being a Jew? And what was the answer of Paul? He said the advantage is much in every way. Look at chapter 3, verse 2. Much in every way. First of all, Jews, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. The first of all, it means the most important point. What is the most important here? We as Jewish people have been entrusted with the words of God. It can be found also in the book of Deuteronomy. Which nation is there as great as, a, as the nation of Israel who has the, uh, the great words of God. You know, a lot of nations base their constitution, their law, on the scripture. It's the Jewish people who brought the word of God into the world. This is the glory of the Jewish people. And so that's why they asked this second question. Can the Jewish people's unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? In chapter 3, verse 3. But if some were unfaithful, Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? What kind of question is this? This is a, a, a question about God's faithfulness. The Jewish people knew that, them, uh, them, that they cannot perfectly observe all the laws of the Lord. But there's a covenant between God and the people of Israel. And God is faithful. And even though there are times when the Jewish people were unfaithful to God, will it be the reason why God will reject the people of Israel. If, if God had, had abandoned the people of Israel, then God is unfaithful. Because God has made a covenant with us. So how did Paul answer this? Paul said, not at all. Look at verse 4. Paul said, 
He said, man's unfaithfulness will not cause God to be unfaithful. On the other hand, it is our unfaithfulness that will magnify or amplify God's faithfulness. So the Jewish people asked the third question. Is the unrighteousness of the Jew if the unrighteousness of the Jews shows that the righteousness of God is God unjust in bringing his wrath on them. What does this sentence mean or question mean? Look at verse 5. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? Paul truly understood what was in the heart of the people of Israel. He said, our unrighteousness shows clearly God's faithfulness. That's why our unrighteousness will show God's righteousness. That's why when we sin, it shows, our sin shows God's glory. Because the, the more depraved we are, the more we can see how good God is. How, how much God's blessing truly is in our lives. And it, they feel like they are helping God. So it's wrong for God to be angry with us. You know, churches often like to invite these kind of people to give testimony. What kind of people? Those people who, be, before they came to know the Lord, lived a very wicked life. Those who are thieves. Those who are murderers. Those who are uh, adulterers. Those who have cheated people from their And they have repented. And they have shown God's glory. So we invite them over to give their testimony. It seems like those who are good people and they came to know the Lord, they don't have testimonies to share. And there are people who said, we thank God for Judas who sold out Christ. If it were not for Judas uh, 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 selling out Christ, then Christ would not be able to uh, offer his salvation to us. This is, what, this is how the Jewish people think. And how did Paul answer this? He says, certainly not. Look at verse 6. Certainly not. If this were so, how could God, uh, how could God judge the world? In this world, it's uh, quite, quite strange. Paul said, If God is unrighteous, then he has no qualification to judge the world. If you are to look at chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, God, uh, Peter, Paul gave a, a, a reinforced explanation because Paul knew because he knew that the Jewish people would say we're not saying God is unrighteous 
We are saying that we are we are sharing that glory to show His righteousness. It's because we are unrighteous. That's why people can see God's righteousness. And how did how did Paul answer? What a lame argument and twisted logic, confounding right and wrong. Their condemnation is well deserved. In this world, there are people who are truly uh, walking around with twisted logic here. They will just say whatever they want. Many years ago, there there was somebody who approached me. He said, if CBC people were to do such a thing, I will leave the church. You know how I answered. The the doors of CBC are always open. Anytime you want to leave, you're, you're free to leave. We will never close our door. Anytime you want to come back, you're welcome. I don't know how he reacted. Many times. Many times we have we walk around with lame arguments, with twisted logic, we confuse right from wrong. In the first eight verses of chapter three, here Paul Paul was presenting his point as a Jewish people to answer the questions of the people of Israel. Because he wanted to prove that people of Israel uh, the Jewish people are sinners. Second part, chapters, uh, verses 9 to 20. In this uh, part of the passage, what does it talk about? It's a conclusion made by Paul. Jews, sinners, we are all sinners. Because in chapter 1, it's already proven that the, Jew, uh, the Gentiles are sinners. In chapter 2, from chapter 2 until chapter 3, verse 8, Paul proved that Jewish people are, are also sinners. That's why Paul was here was making a conclusion. All men are sinners. Look at verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles are alike, are all under the power of sin. Look at the last sentence. Under the power of sin. Especially in English, it's called we are it says here that we are all under the power of sin. It doesn't talk about the particular sin we commit, but the power of sin over us. All of us. We are under the power of sin. What does this mean? We don't even though we don't want to sin, but we continue sinning. Jewish uh, gentle the gentles are like that, the Jewish people are like that. In chapter 3, verses 10 to 18, and uh, Paul used a lot of uh, 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 verses here to uh, combine them together. And, and all of these pertain to one thing. 
We have sin. If you are to study carefully verses 10 to 18, there is a very simple explanation here. From the top of our head to the sole of our feet, we are filled with sins. From our inner being to our outward being, everything that we do, everything that we think, is filled with sin. There is no truly person without sin or a sinless person in this world. There's nobody who truly loves God here. There's no truly righteous person. I cannot, uh, I will not uh, go into details, full details in explaining this. Because it's already very, very clear. As if you read it once, you will understand. So let's read it once. I want you to take note of one thing. No one, no one. Huh? How many times the, the phrase no one appeared in all these verses? Let's read this. Okay, um, Romans 3, 10 to 18. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouth are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. As you read this passage, I don't know if you've paid attention. From our, from our head to our feet. From our heart to our outward being. There is no one perfect. Why? Because there is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 20. It's the conclusion. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The Gentiles, they have no law. That's why they live such a depraved life. The Jewish people live under the law. But they cannot fully observe the law. So whether you live under the law or you live out of the law, you're still sinners. Then what hope is there for mankind? There is hope. That's why Paul presented this very important truth. Our justification by faith. From verses 21 to 31. Here Paul is presenting this very important method, this, this way, this only way, our justification by faith. We look at verse 21. But now, apart from the law of righteousness of God, 
of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. But now, said, but now, there's a new thing that comes out for you. This is not the righteousness from the law. This is not the righteousness uh, from the law, but this is your justification by faith. And these 11 passages from verses 21 to 31 talks about, explains what it means to be justified by faith. And there are three very important things here. The difference between justification through the law and justification by faith. The world and Bible view of our view sin differently. And grace that is, that is completely free and the price God paid for grace. Look, let's look at the first point. What's the difference between justification through the law and justification by faith? He said that justification through God's law is not a gift. You need to observe the law. The, the Jewish people have the, law, have the law with them, but they cannot observe them completely. But pay, uh, pay attention here. They are not uh, dumb people. They knew in their, in their hearts, they knew themselves that they have no way of completely observing the law. They took pride in their identity. I am an Israelite. I am a Jew. I am a God's chosen people. That's why I'm more valuable. I'm better than other people. This is human pride. Many times we use our identity, our status as source of our pride. For example, we say we are Chinese. You are Filipino. And we feel that we are better than you. Because I am Chinese. But you know, you know in China, we can be divided into northerners and southerners. You know, northern people look down upon the southern people. Because they believe that southern people are deceitful. You know, I'm Cantonese. And I'm uh, from I'm Hokkien. You know, regardless of whether you're Cantonese or, or you're from Hokkien or Fujian province, you're both uh, southerners. That's why northern people look down on us because they feel like we are deceitful. And they believe they are more noble, they are better than us. 
Sometimes we even take pride in which school we graduate from. I'm a graduate from University of the Philippines. I'm from Ateneo. I'm from La Salle. I'm from UST. And you are from no-name schools. May the Lord help us. Many times we take pride in the identity we have. But what did Paul say? Justification through God's law is not a gift. It's something you obtain through your behavior. There's no way that we can achieve a justification by the law because we cannot fully observe the law. But on the opposite end, justification through faith is a gift. Look at verse 22. What did verse 22 say? God's righteousness has been given to those who trust, who place their trust in Him. It's been added to you. So it's not because you did something. That righteousness has been added to you by God. Those who, who will accept justification by faith are people who are humble. Because those who are prideful, they will never accept this. Because they don't have to do anything. Because there's a requirement for them to humble themselves and to accept this free gift. Justification by faith shows us that we cannot do anything. Because all the righteousness that we have are false righteousness. This, this is deceitful. I don't know if you have uh, heard this statement. Those who have retreated 50 steps laugh at those who have retreated 100 steps. This, there is a story behind this. One time there was a group of soldiers who went to battle. And they were overwhelmed. So all of them retreated and, and ran back. Because they have no way of winning that battle because the, the, they were vastly outnumbered. There were people who ran faster and there were people who ran slower. Maybe because they are more afraid, that's why they ran faster. Those who were in the back laughed at those who were in the front. You are so, you have no, uh, you have no, you are not brave, you are really afraid, that's why you ran faster. They forgot, they forgot that they, too, they, they too are afraid. It's, it's just that they are they are going a slower pace. That's why they're they have only taken 50 steps and they have they are laughing at the people who went 100 steps ahead. So you know you know those who accept justification by faith. They accept the fact that they are sinners. They know that there's nothing that they can take pride in. Because it's all by God's grace. This is a gift from God. The second point. 
Justification by faith tells us that the world and the Bible views sin differently. You know, people in this world will accept that they are, they will confess that they are sinners. Because our conscience will bother us and tell us that we have done wrong. But many times we equate sins into, we, we classify sins of bigger sins and smaller sins. Those who say I'm not a sinner, he's not saying that I'm completely sinless. Instead, they're, all they're saying is I have not committed big crimes. I have not killed people. I have not uh, burned a house down. Or anything. I have not robbed other people. I have not committed adultery. But yes, I have committed small sins. I may have lied. Maybe I have been greedy. Everybody's like that. So it's not a big deal because everyone else is doing it. Just pay no attention here. We can we'll give the same penalty or consequences for somebody who killed someone and from somebody who uh, stole a candy. But the Bible has a very unique view of sin. Look at Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And here the Bible is telling us when we sin, who have we sinned against? This is very important. For example, after church, you come here and you, you, you accuse me or you talk badly to me. And you say, you are holier than thou, you are a hypocrite. Of course, I will not be happy when somebody accuses me of that. Of course, I will not attack you physically. Of course, if you attack me physically, I'll defend myself. I will not attack you physically, but I'll feel very, uh, very bad, very sad. And our relationship will be broken. Just think about this. If you dare go before uh, President Duterte and stand before him and accuse him of being a hypocrite, the consequences will be more serious. Of course, we live in a democratic society. Maybe there's a possibility he'll just ignore you. But during the time of Paul, if you stand before the emperor of Rome, and you tell Caesar that you are a hypocrite. Let me tell you. Probably you'll be beheaded. Think about this. As we stand before God, and we tell God, and we accuse God of things that are false. Let me tell you, the consequences is very, very serious. Not only will you lose your head, you will perish forever. 
罪就是亏欠了上帝荣耀。All sins fall short of the glory of God. 罪是得罪了上帝。Whenever we sin, we sin against God. 罪好难及上帝关系，还转蒙派去。Because sin will destroy our relationship with God. 嗱，你你嗱你嗱过来咩瓜？哎呀，掉木屑呢只嘅大排人啊，呢只嘅坏蛋啊。If you come before me and you and you accuse me, Reverend Chung, you are a bad person. 呀，我也是真感慨心啦。I'll feel very sad. 我讲呀，牧羊呢喊过个我哋咩排人啊 ？I've been your your shepherd, your pastor for so. Long and you accuse me of being a bad person. Ah, I'm I'm lor lor maksai kia lor. I'll probably shed tears and I'll leave. Ni nak kena tu kiri cuci lagi. Today, if you go home. Ani kong ni nak tu kiri cuci ani kong ah. Of course, don't do this. Kau ni bebu kong ah. You tell your parents. Ni langge pai lang ah. You two are bad people. Waka. Not only will they be sad, they'll have a broken heart. 虽很真了，安尼很多只，自己自己看多很的啦。And from a very small child, they have raised you to who you are right now. 好哩，读册啦。They have allowed you to have education. 好哩，变做有成就啦。Allow you to achieve success. 用了落在时间，落在金子，落在精神。They invested their time, their effort, their energy, their finances upon you. 现在好哩，讲你个大坏蛋啦。And for you to to accuse them for being bad people. 哎，罗刚哥是咪 ？How sad would they feel? 那你想的是那个 creator. Our God is our Creator. Everything comes from Him. How can we stand before Him and accuse Him of being a bad God? We truly have fallen short of His glory. That's called sin. The last one. The third point in justification by faith is that grace that is completely free. And the and the price that God has to pay for our grace. Look at verse twenty-four. But now, but now, by the grace of God, He is justified freely through the redemption of Christ Jesus. This is one of the verses that we love. Ah, grace and salvation is a free gift. We receive this freely. We receive His justification freely. Don't forget one thing. And remember the cost that Jesus Christ had to pay. The redemption of Christ. For the redemption of of our man, His redemption. Without His redemption, we will not have this free gift. So what is the redemption of Christ? Look at verse twenty-five. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance. He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. This is a very precious verse. The three important points in Christ's redemption: His sacrifice for our atonement, His blood, and our faith. These three things comprises the redemption of Christ. The first, the atonement. Of sacrifice. Now, this atonement of sacrifice, there are two meanings here. The first meaning is the atonement of sacrifice. 
This, that, that Christ offered Himself as a sacrifice. And we can also look at it as, as the seed of mercy. Christ Himself became the, the sacrifice. He became the sacrificial lamb, the sacrificial cow. And he died there on the cross for us. But he himself is a seed of our mercy. What is a seed of mercy? In the, in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, there's this uh, tabernacle there. And in the tabernacle, you'll find uh, the, the Ten Commandments. And that represents God's righteousness. And on top of that tabernacle, there is a seed of mercy. And it represents God's mercy. And every year on uh, July 10, the, the priest would, the high priest would go there. But he need to bring the blood of lamb or the blood of the cow in. And to sprinkle it on the tabernacle. And, and to, to represent the, the, the atonement of, of our sin by the cleansing of blood. Because even the priests, the high priests themselves are sinners. Because without the blood of Christ, they cannot approach God. And Jesus Christ became the seed of mercy for all of us sinners. He's the only reason why we can stand before God today. Because uh, Christ himself has fulfilled the requirement of, of mercy and righteousness of God. The second, the blood of Christ. Let me ask you this question. Why, does it, uh, why is it that God requires the shedding of blood? God can say, can just say that, okay, I forgive you, then it's done. Why does it need to be so serious that there need to be a shedding of blood? For example, for example, for example. Okay. Of course, this is not true. For example, I have a mistress. And my wife finds out. So I have to go home and explain. So when I go home, and I say to my wife, I'm, I'm sorry that I have a mistress. But what should do? And then she say, okay, it's the end of discussion. She's not angry. And she goes to the kitchen to cook. And during that night, he gave me uh, uh, meat soup to drink. There's only two possibilities. Number one, Number one my wife is crazy. Maybe she got so angry, she was so fed up with me that she went crazy. The second, she's probably trying to poison me. So there's probably, there's probably poison in that soup. And after, I'll die after I drink. Because I've committed sin. I've broken the relationship between myself and my wife. I need to do things to mend our relationship. 
just saying sorry in itself is not enough. The sin has broken our relationship with God. We need to make amends and to mend that relationship. But the, what's the problem here? What can we do? Everything in this world belongs to God. He's the old, uh, he's the God of everything. He does not lack anything. What can I do to mend that relationship? Nothing. There's nothing. Only something, it's only something that God can do. Only God can mend that relationship. That's why he needs to shed his own blood to cleanse us of our sins. That's why the Bible said without the shedding of blood there will be no cleansing of sin. The last one, our faith. Our faith is when we entrust ourselves. Every day we live by faith. We're just not conscious of it. For example, those who get married, you get married by faith. How would you know that your partner in life will treat you correctly for the rest of your life? Me, forgive me for saying this. How would you know if your partner would depart or leave this world or die before you? Maybe through a sickness or through accident. We have no idea of what the future lies. It is by faith that we get married. You know, one of the biggest problems in Japan right now is they don't want to get married. Because they have no faith in marriage. You're Christians. There are a lot of things in this world that is beyond our control. We need to live by faith and to entrust things to God. By faith means to entrust. It is by faith that we accept the salvation of Jesus Christ. It's not something we can control. Everything is done, was done by Christ. That's called justification by faith. Lastly, let's look at this verse. Look at verse 27. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of, because of what law? The law that requires work? No, because of the law that requires faith. There are two things being pointed out here. What then, where, where then can we boast? There's nothing that we can boast for. Because our behavior cannot save us. There's only one way. It requires our faith. Good behavior cannot save us. Our salvation is through the through the grace of God alone by our faith in it. This is called justification by faith. May the Lord speak to you. It's not something we did. It's something what God did for us. He did everything for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. It's not that we did anything. Because there's nothing we can do. Our good behavior cannot save us. Paul has already proven this. 
Jewish people have the law, but they cannot observe the law. The Gentiles, they have no law. That's why they live so depravedly. But because our sin is, we sin, because all of our sin is sinning against you, we have fallen short of your glory. There's no way humans can save themselves. There's only one way. It's only when we accept your redemptive power, Jesus Christ, and to be justified by faith. We thank you, Lord. By faith, we have already accepted this. May we continue to be steadfast in this. For those who have not yet accepted this, may we humble ourselves to accept this. Because we cannot depend on ourselves to save ourselves. May the Holy Spirit speak to us in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Next week. Next week, let's look at Romans chapter 4. Let's look at the, the righteousness of one person. The righteousness of Abraham. This is a, a, a testimony of the righteousness of justification by faith. So study this pas- passage carefully. Let's meet again next week. God bless. God bless.